Today's scripture is Exodus chapter 3, 1 through 6. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to the look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Check. Good morning. All right. Thank you, Joseph. That was like the best God voice. Did anyone, did anyone pick up on that? I liked it. So my name is Monica. I'm one of the elders here at Watermark, and today we're going to be talking about um, noticing, seeing, listening. Um, we're going to be talking about when, how Moses noticed God and how he didn't notice God, and um, what, how that looks like in our life and how that can transfer over. Um, so, and expectations, too. That's always with it. Okay, let's pray and then we'll get started. Jesus, um, thank you that you are good. Thank you for your love for us and thank you for bringing us here. Holy Spirit, um, may you be seen, may you be heard, um, and nothing else. May we glorify you in this place and Holy Spirit, come. Amen. All right. So we know a lot of us are familiar with the story of the burning bush. This is Moses. Um, this is like the stories that they teach in the back in the Be Watermark, right? Um, we know Moses is the deliverer of the Israelites. Moses is the one that um, went up to Mount Sinai for the Ten Commandments. Um, but the Israelites, the Jewish people, they would see Moses, and they he's this like all healed figure. He's um, their rescuer. But in the beginning of his life, he was not seen that way. He had a bad reputation. He, we know him in the basket going down the river. And so he was a prince for 40 years. And then he was a murderer. And then he was a runaway and a wanderer and a shepherd for 40 years. And this is where we find him in this story. Uh, shepherd um, not of his own flock, but of his father-in-law's flock. And that should say something, that he doesn't have much honor to his name if he's just hanging out with his father-in-law's sheep. And he's grazing them. Uh, a shepherd was a very common occupation, so it makes sense that he runs away and he goes and picks up the occupation that is there easy for him. So Moses is here, and he is taking his flock father-in-law's flock, but he's taking them further than a day's journey. He's taking them further along than he should have. And the question is, is Moses leading the flock or is something greater than Moses leading him? And so here is this, could be Mount Sinai, this is the wilderness. In the Bible, um, this is where Moses is in the wilderness. And in the themes in the Bible, the wilderness is this place of experiencing God. Or, 
like Hagar, experienced God in the wilderness when she left and God called to her and said, you know, I will be your God, you're gonna be okay. Or in the place of testing. Jesus was tested in the wilderness before he began his journey. So it's here that Moses is in the wilderness. It's here on the mountain of God that this is Sinai. This is later that God will come and bring Moses and the people in Mount Sinai and he will teach them, he will show them his greatness. And it's here, this thorny bush, the expectations that it should have caused this wildfire. This bush should have been consumed. Moses saw these things. He's in the wilderness. He's on Mount Sinai. He sees this bush and he has no idea that this is Yahweh. Okay. When I was reading this story, we're all familiar with it. Um, the thing that surprised me most is that the Trinity, I don't know if, who listened to the class last week with Mary, but the Holy Trinity is present in this place. The angel of the Lord is speaking to Moses. Moses is calling our God, excuse me, is calling out to Moses. And the Holy Spirit is bringing Moses in this place. I thought that was amazing. Like, God, you were so good. But, so there's all these signs in the holy, that this place is holy. And the Jewish eyes would have seen this. They would have seen the themes of the wilderness. They would have seen um, God calling out to Moses when they're reading the scripture. Moses, Moses. This is like typical God fashion in the Old Testament, how he calls out to them. They would have seen the fire. The theme of the fire in the Bible is this purifying, but it's also um, an encounter with God. And they would have seen the location. It's in the wilderness. It's in the mountain of God. They're like, Moses, it's here. How could you not have seen it? And God tells Moses, take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy ground. And this would have been an act of respect, of reverence, that is holy in the same way that maybe we would take off our hats if we go into a place of respect. So Moses draws near, and he's met by Yahweh, the God of his ancestors. And then that's when Moses realizes who he's speaking with the God of his ancestors, that this God that is a promise maker is now showing himself to be a promise keeper. In Genesis 12, it talks about that um, God makes this promise to Abraham. He calls him out of his land, and he tells him, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you, And in you, all families will be blessed. We know this, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Those are the promises that God made. And the Israelites in Exodus 2 are sitting there in slavery, calling out to God. And God says, I hear you, I see you, and I will rescue you. So the Jewish people will be sitting here, listening and wanting, God, where is your promise? This is his promise. And this is when Moses realizes who he is speaking with. Oh, the God of my ancestors. And the the people reading this will know that the promises God made in the past applies to them in this generation. God is waiting, he's moving, he's acting. But I wanna stop here on verse three. It says, Moses inquired of the bush. He stopped, he noticed. 
He was curious. He turned aside to look at the bush. It was, he saw that it was something worth taking note in. What would have happened if he didn't notice the bush? What would have happened if he didn't turn aside, if he was too busy with the sheep and the herd and her, his father-in-law's flock that he neglected the thing that was most important? Would Moses have missed being used by God? God wants to use us and he wants to speak to us through a burning bush or through a quiet whisper? Um, are we, as Moses, able to see and notice and listen? Can we slow down? Can we forget the things and notice what God is doing? It says in James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Moses came near to God and God came to him. God is waiting for us to come to him, to spend time with him, to delight in him as he delights in us. Did you know that he delights in us? If we can understand that, just sit on that. He delights in you. He wants to spend time with you. May we have eyes and ears to hear and see. So this is a picture of me holding my son's hand. June 2020, I went in with my son. This is the pandemic, so I'm here, just me and my son. We go into the hospital to have him. He goes in to have one of the most common surgeries and that happens in America. He goes in, you know, we do the whole post-op. He gets wheeled away, and as any mother would, you lose it. You, you can't like see them having him take your son away and then be okay in that moment. So I do, I go in the waiting room, and my people are praying for me, for my son. I'm praying, I'm doing all the things, Lord. Be with him, take care of him. Um, and so the doctor comes in, everything's fine. He says, you know, the, the surgery went great, all is normal, you'll get to see him soon, and when he wakes up, we'll come and get you, no big deal. Great, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. So then I wait an hour. This is weird. Did they forget about me? I wait another hour. Now I'm starting to wonder and worry, and um, God, what's happening? Because I need to talk to someone if I can't go back to see him. Um, so the nurse comes in. And she says, the chance, the 1% chance of bleeding has happened. And now he, my son had to get rushed in back to the OR. Um, to fix it. This is not what I expected. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I prayed. This is not what my people prayed for. So the doctor comes back in and says, you know, we're sorry, we fixed it. You know, he, your child is stable and you'll get to see him. He will have to be intubated, um, but you'll get to see him. I was 
shocked. I was angry. This is not what was supposed to be. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I prayed. This is not what I expected. So time went on, you know, and I got time to heal. I got time to process. I got time to think and pray and be alone. I got time to be alone with God. And he could take it. He could take me being angry with him, which I'm grateful. And it was after that time, and also I read the book of Job, which helps, um, that I found where he was. He comes in the fire, and he comes and whispers. He was there the whole time in the operating room. He was holding my child in his strong hands. He was with the doctors in the chaotic, critical time. He was merciful because it all happened in a hospital. He was good because a swelling went down. He was faithful because as I look back, he was there the whole time. It's not what I wanted. It's not what I expected. But I was not alone. Moses noticed the burning bush. It took me noticing, drawing near to God to look, to see, It doesn't have to take a traumatic experience for our eyes to be opened, to see where he is and what he's doing. He's everywhere. Can we see and notice and listen? The most, probably the most common quoted verse is Psalm 139, but I couldn't help it because it was perfect. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I send to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I settle to the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. It's so true. He is there. I couldn't help it. It's so good. So in Matthew 26... I'm not going to read the story, but we'll just talk about it. Um, This is before Jesus is um, preparing for his death and his burial. And this woman, Bethany is like a poor town. So if you can get that in perspective, this woman comes to Jesus in the room where men, or women, it was all men and women were not um, really invited into that space. She comes into the room As Jesus is having dinner um, with his disciples, she's got her eyes on Jesus. She comes right up to him and pours this expensive alabaster perfume on his head, knowing that what she's doing is what she should be doing. She is honoring the Messiah. But the people behind her, the disciples, are angry. They're indignant. How could she do this? What a waste. And what does Jesus say? He says what she has done will be remembered. This woman had eyes to see. She understood what the disciples did not. She was preparing him for his death. How many times are we either not paying attention or have our preconceived notions of what's going on that we miss what God is up to? It requires us to see and notice 
and listen. There's a summary of a quote by Rachel Held Evans. The ones most likely to miss God's work in the world are those convinced that they know exactly what to look for. The one who expects God to play by the rules. So we're talking about stories recently, right? Like Tommy's talking about stories. We're talking about stories in our lives, um, sharing them that are not our stories. They're God's. So I want us to be a people that notices, right, in our lives, um, what God is doing in our life, in us and through us, and also in each other's lives. I want us to be used by God, and that might mean sharing your story or our struggles with other people. I want, not, don't look around the room, but I want you to know that in this room, I know some of the stories, and there are faith giants in this room that I would love for us to sit under their feet and listen to their story. Also, there's some people struggling that need us to hear their story. But sometimes our preconceived notions can stop us from getting closer, from getting curious, from listening to noticing, from sharing our story. You know, the story I tell myself, it's really helpful. The story I tell myself is if someone comes to church put together, that they might have everything in their life right. Or the story I tell myself is that if you're a house church leader, you might not, you don't doubt. Or the story I tell myself is um, people that come into the church smiling all the time, they must have, never have any struggles, right? That everything must be fine. Um, and this is helpful, but sometimes this is not the truth, that this is just lies, that I have to be perfect to be used by God. I have to be a perfect prayer to be used on the prayer team. So I want to tell you a story. Um, I have uh, a neighbor who moves across the street, um, and, you know, we did the neighborly thing. We greeted each other. We introduced ourselves, our kids. Um, she was really great. We went about our business, waved when she came and went and gone. Um, and then the spirit nudged me and nudged me and nudged me. Go talk to her. Go talk to her. Go talk to her. Okay. What do I say? She's busy. The story I told myself was she's too busy. The story I told myself is that She's always coming and going that she doesn't want to talk to me. Took a while, thankfully. I think even God doesn't pass us up. So I went over there, not knowing what to say. And I talked to her. And I sat and I said, how are things? Tell me your life. What's hard? What's not? And in the end, that day, she needed someone to listen to her. So she needed someone to share her struggles with because she felt at that time that she didn't have anyone that would be there to listen. She needed to be seen and noticed, and I needed to be curious. There's a quote that says, church should be the most honest place 
rather than seen as the happiest place. Church should be the most honest place rather than seen as the happiest place. What would that look like? If we share our struggles and our stories and our needs and our joys and our laughs and we cry together, I think Jesus would be seen. People coming in would see Jesus. There's a Kurt Thompson quote. Wherever Jesus shows up, the truth shows up. And when the truth shows up, healing can begin. And we cannot begin to heal if we are not telling the whole truth about all of what we are feeling. It requires honesty. It requires us to heal, to see, to notice, to love in relation to God, to ourselves, to others. There's a, a, one more quote. Maybe not. Some of us know scriptures by heart and can quote a mini-sermon. We can give a theological reasoning behind all of our teachings, but we may not know the questions people around us are actually asking or the hurt they are feeling or the needs they have. We must be listeners of people and good learners of the word of God. Let's slow down. Let's notice what Jesus is doing around us and in us and through us. Let's share our beautiful journey that we are on together. Let's ask questions. Let's be honest. Let's be curious. Let's see and notice. And I don't know what this means for us today. I, I think that's not my job. Saying in you right now. I think that he whispers to us and he uses burning bushes in our lives. Maybe that means noticing. And um, Brene Brown says, our brain chemistry changes for the better when we become curious. It's uncomfortable because it involves uncertainty and vulnerability. It's hard and it's not easy but it is good. In Ephesians 3.20, it says God can do anything, anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us? Do we have eyes to see all the things that God can do? Or do we have the expectations that what's in front of us is what it is? Can we notice, listen, and see beyond our expectations? It requires faith. It requires Jesus. In Hebrews 11:27 it says it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt not fearing he kept right on going because his eyes he kept his eyes on the one who is unseen let's see let's notice let's listen
So that's it. We get to picnic. Um, short and sweet. But I will say, um, if you need prayer, we do have a prayer team. If you want to come up and pray or anything, that's available. If you want to join the prayer team, that's also available too. Come on up. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you see us, and you notice us, and you listen. Thank you for this place. Thank you for your spirit, God. Be with us in the picnic. Um, Open our ears and open our eyes to you and to each other. Amen. All right, the Lord's Prayer. Stand up, please. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, enjoy the picnic, guys. Thank you.